Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it is Nigel, Jason Hammer right over there. We're going to start this hour off with some high-profile legal stuff. Uh, crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. Wait, what did I say? You go back a couple of weeks when prosecutors took the death penalty off the table for the accused killer of IMPD officer Brian Leith. What did I say, Hammer? If they're going to use the insanity plea to get him off the death penalty, what else are they going to use it for? And today is day six of this murder trial, and I just hope the jury isn't dumb enough to fall for the excuses that these... Uh, that the defense is called to the witness stand in terms of doctors, schizophrenia. I've, the word is thrown around a little bit. I think it's bogus. I think Brian Lee's family knew it was bogus when they were talking about it uh, months ago. And I just, I really hope the jurors aren't dumb enough to fall for it. I hope you're right. But the defense team is going all out to bring in these experts on the human brain from these Ivy League schools, and it really comes down to the jury. So, again, today is day six of this murder trial. Now, Brianne Leith, for those who don't remember, was an IMPD officer. She was responding to a uh, call in April of 2020, and she goes to the residence. She knocks on the door, announces police, and that's when shots came through the door. For me, it all comes down to this. Did Elias Dorsey know the difference between right and wrong? That's it. We can go down a rabbit hole of, well, there may be a chance that he thought this or that. But it comes down to right or wrong. If you think Elias Dorsey did not know the difference between right and wrong, then I don't know what to tell you. I think he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He heard police and he fired shots through the door. But there are folks that are going to argue it's because he was not mentally fit. So yesterday, Dr. Ruben Gurr, he's a professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. He took the stand to make the case for Dorsey possibly being mentally ill. He claims that by looking at the brain scan, of Elias Dorsey, there are signs of schizophrenia, abuse, neglect, and PTSD. When you have such a disorder, you uh, may have dysfunctional brains, will get you into more trouble, uh, you'll have difficulties in school, and sometimes when you have academic difficulties, you start uh, with externalizing behavior, you, you can get in fights and troubles. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to function. So that was the professor of psychology at Penn. Now, there was another expert they brought in, Dr. Charles Golden. He was called by the defense as the neuropsychologist expert who spent eight hours evaluating Dorsey, looking over brain scans of Dorsey. He testified that the brain damage identified played a role in the death of Officer Leith. Without frontal lobes, he is unable to appreciate that what he's doing 
is abnormal. He's unable to recognize that maybe I'm overreacting. Was he able to recognize that unloading a gun through a door and a police officer on the other side that identified themselves was wrong? That's the way he's saying here. <laughs> like, I, I don't buy any of this crap for a second. This is the part that upsets me more than anything else. Like, if you're not angry enough already at the way this whole thing is playing out here, listen to this. That same uh, doctor that we heard from earlier, Dr. Charles Golden, also testified that the isolation that Dorsey experienced during the lockdown of COVID and breaking up with his girlfriend around the same time possibly pushed him over a cliff into brief psychosis. And then COVID hit, and that, I think, like I said, was the final straw to somebody who was fragile and on the verge of falling over the edge of the cliff. Well, I'm sorry you were sad and lonely, but you don't get to unload rounds through a door. Like, this ticks me off. I'm trying to watch my language here. This really ticks me off because I can see some idiotic jury member going along with this. Now, I am not a brain expert, Nige. I am not a uh, don't say. psychologist, but I know bull crap when I hear it. He knew the difference between right and wrong. And so did the Lee family. They know bull crap when they heard it, too. I'd love to play that clip. To find, I think it was Brian Lee's sister that said, this guy, it's a joke. It's, it's not, he was not insane. He totally knew what he was doing. And to use COVID as an excuse. COVID and we depression. Were all, we, were all, we were all a little off, I feel like, those first couple weeks of COVID. But did you fire yeah. any gunshots through doors, Nige? No. Of course not, because you know the difference between right and wrong. Uh, meanwhile, in another high-profile piece of legal stuff here in Indiana, Richard Allen, the man accused of killing Abby and Libby in Delphi, his defense team have requested additional time to produce a list of witnesses and review the massive volume of evidence that they've been uh, given to go through. This isn't anything that's a surprise, and I'm actually okay with this. So the way that this is breaking down was, if you remember, Baldwin and Rossi, these guys were the attorneys for Richard Allen at the beginning, and then the judge kicked him off, but then the Indiana Supreme Court overruled it, and they brought him back. So now the attorneys that were there originally and are there again are saying, Hold up. We need time to go over all of this stuff because we were not on this case for a number of months here. We need time to go over everything to make sure this is all on the up and up. They said they have 20 hard drives filled with evidence along with six different emails loaded with discovery evidence, and they're going to need a little bit more time to turn it into the court. This is the defense saying this. Well, yes. I, you know, look, I, the more time the defense gets, that just gives the prosecution more time to True. prepare. And we've said from the beginning, I want this to be a perfect trial. I want this to be on the up and up. I want everybody to be healthy. I want everybody to be there. I want all the evidence available and let this thing play out. I think the family members deserve this. So, if this is the case, if they truly need more time to go over an overwhelming amount of evidence, 
especially if they were late getting back onto the trial, that's fine. I don't think any of us thought this was going to start on time no, anyway. none of us did. So I hope the prosecution is doing their due diligence and using the time wisely. Hell, uh, going back to the Breanne Leith case of Elias Dorsey and his trial, I hope the prosecution there has rebuttals to the defense witnesses and their doctors and their diagnosis of his mental state. I, I hope these prosecutors in both cases are, are you know, are worth their worth their salt. You know, right? I I I, I hope they are. I, I'm confident they are. I'm I, I'm hoping they are. You want to believe? I want to believe they, they, are. they are. Yeah, that's maybe a better way of putting it. Now, this last piece of legal stuff, it feels like there's a story within the story. Okay, so Indianapolis police arrested a Center Township deputy constable for having a handgun despite a previous felony conviction. You cannot possess a firearm if you have a previous felony conviction. How can you be a deputy constable without being having having the ability to have a firearm at your side? Well, and how do they give you this promotion if they don't look at your record and see that you had a felony previously? All of those are fair questions, but there's more to this story. A police report obtained by our news gathering partners at Wish TV News 8 shows that the IMPD officers arrested 41-year-old Telly Savagas Siggers for possession of a firearm by a serious violent felon around 8 p.m. this past Monday. Telly Savalas. The first name is Telly Savalas? His first name is Telly Savalas, <laughs> and his last name is Siggers. Telly Savalas, who loves you, baby? Is that Kojak? That's Kojak. Somebody, but, but Kojak's name, first name, Telly, that was his nickname, Savalas was his last name. Right. But and <laughs> this guy's whole first name is Telly Savalas. Hello, meet my son, uh, Tom Selleck Laskowski. <laughs> Maybe you've met uh, my child, John Stamos Hammer. He's, he's right here. Some parent named their child Telly Savalas. <laughs> That, to me, I is the story. It. Like, I don't even care about the firearm thing right now. The real story is there's a 41-year-old grown man in a position of authority, formally, and his name was Telly Savala Siggers. <laughs> Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. What's it in your Oh, wonder what Eric's going to do. Lawmakers sent a bill to Governor Holcomb's desk yesterday that would bring back happy hour in Indiana. You're not allowed, if you're a restaurant right now, you're not allowed to have quote unquote happy hour selling alcoholic beverages. Right now, how come like some places like Applebee's or whatever have happy hour for appetizers, but they can't do it for booze? Right. The most a restaurant can do is run a special all day long, like dollar beers all day long. Okay. They can't do it just for specific 
windows like you currently right now you can't lower the sale of your alcohol um like in like a three-hour period it's got to be all day they can lower right. food but they can't lower alcohol yes that sucks like, like a restaurant can't run happy hour more than four there has some it had some caveats like a restaurant can't run happy hour for more than four hours a day or 15 hours a week and not after 10 p.m and there's also a part of this bill that will allow carry out cocktails Ooh, I like but the sounds of that. It's, it's not like open container where there's a straw hanging out of it or anything. It's got to <laughs> right. be it's got to be sealed in a labeled container. So restaurants of course want to see this bill go through. They they I mean like social hours, happy hours, it's you attract customers during a slow period right. during the day for like, you know, it could be slow at Coach's Tavern from 3 to 6 on a random Tuesday in the winter. But a hell you know, if if uh, you know Jack and Cokes are half price, right? Dollar beers. Uh, do, yeah, if if I could get a beer, a dollar beers. You know, uh, most places there are some dive bars in Indianapolis. Like my buddy's old man used to know where all the dollar beers specials were <laughs> every day. But they have to run those specials all day. It's kind of a loss leader to get people to come in and eat. Right. Um, now this would allow you to sell beer at a regular price until three o'clock, and then have half price beers. Uh, you know, from three to six, Monday through Friday. I got to admit, man, I'm a sucker for a good happy hour. Yeah. Like, I, when I go out to Vegas, now they don't do it anymore, unfortunately, but the Flamingo, right there in the middle of the strip, in the heart of the strip, they used to have happy hour uh, through the week, not on the weekends, where you could mm-hmm. go by and it was 50 cent beers. Yes. Like, you know, three to 5 p.m., just set up shop right there, man. And it was awesome. I'd go there every time. I'll go out of my way. And you know what? When you're at those places and you're taking advantage of those deals, guess what happens next? You start buying food. You start buying more expensive drinks. Some of the most money I ever spent at bars when I was younger was on penny beer night. Because you start drinking the penny beers. Sure. And next thing you know, you're ordering shots. Next thing you know, you're in line at La Bamba's. I mean, it's an expensive, (laughs) expensive night, man. I've been there. This post-COVID world where um, the public health establishment and the Holcomb administration, uh, to a larger extent, did everything they could to uh, squash uh, restaurant activity. And so now this is a way where struggling restaurants can can maybe beef up sales because of the because of the happy hour bill. Uh, this is House Bill 1086. You know, down to, downtown, there's some places are still struggling. Right. You know, and people working remote, for instance. So, so you know, you're allowed a bar to, to cut prices by half for a specific period of time. Yeah, they are going to start buying a bunch of food. I wonder what like the convenience that. store owners think, though. Like, all of a sudden, the Indiana General Assembly and possibly the governor, they're all in on happy hour. We're going to bring back something that hasn't been around since 1985. <laughs> but heaven forbid, Rickers wants to sell cold yeah. beer in their convenience store. Yeah. Next thing you know, out-of-control teens might be hanging out at Rickers. <laughs> that was seriously one of the worst excuses I've ever heard in my life. Out-of-control teens. Out-of-control teens drinking the beer inside the store. <laughs> Just going amok, causing a ruckus. Wonder if they could describe the ruckus. Uh, doing some booze news here. According to a new study, the NFL fan base that was the drunkest during this past year 
was the Tennessee Titans. This new study came out and it broke down the average blood alcohol score and they did this by collecting data from app users beer sales at the stadium there was a lot of stuff that went into this okay backtrack is the organization bac blood alcohol content so you could you could download an app and it will tell you who the drunkest nfl fan base was and the tennessee titans came in at number one (laughs) the steelers came in second and who do you think was number three? Oh, it's got to be the Colts. Come Colts on. were number three, yeah. baby. Followed by the Falcons and Saints. Now, what I've noticed on this list here of the fans that got the most hammered at NFL games, the Titans, the Steelers, the Colts, the Falcons, and the Saints, only one of those teams made the playoffs. Yeah, the Steelers, yeah. <laughs> so everybody yeah. else was drinking away their yeah. pain, watching their team <laughs> probably lose a home game. <laughs> Colts coming in at number three. I want to do this. I want to do this backtrack app, the the blood alcohol app. And you said what, like twenty eight thousand people participated in this thing? Yes, and that's a pretty decent um, sample, I think. Right now, which fan base do you think drank the least this past year? Well, I mean, the Super Bowl winners probably. I would think the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs. Yes, followed by the Commanders, the Giants, the Ravens, and Chargers. So here's what we've learned: the Commanders were awful. Right. I thought they would have been in the top five the other way. Four of the five fan bases that really get drunk at ball games did not make the playoffs. The fans that drank the least won the whole thing. <laughs> so maybe, okay. you know, Jim Irsay, if you're listening, if you want to help control some of the drunkenness around this town, let's get some free agents in there. Let's hit some home runs on this draft, and let's get a winner out there on the field. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. Nikki Kelly is the editor-in-chief for the Indiana Capital Chronicle. Uh, Nikki... There's a post on your publication today. One of the writers on your staff has an article out about the guy that's running against Andre Carson here in Indy. And to say that there's a lot going on here, it's an understatement. Well, I love the title of the article. A congressional candidate with possibly fake donors, a feud with a local radio host, a mysterious political consulting firm. <laughs> Time for you to meet Gabe Wheatley. <laughs> I love that. So, Nikki, let's uh, let's meet Gabe. What's going on here? Yeah. Um, so I just want to first give a little props to Casey Smith, who you mentioned wrote the story. She spent dozens of hours working on this story in the past month. Obviously, we've got a legislative session going on, so she would work it in whenever she could. Um, just so much work in licensing, tax records, marriage records, everything she was trying to find. And basically what we found was we've gotten a tip about some questionable donations, Um, Initially, I think I probably wouldn't have moved with it, but the amount of money that Mr. Whitley was raising was pretty significant and and even rivaled, you know, a longtime Democrat sitting congressman. So that, you know, got our attention for sure. So he was raising money nearly equal to Andre Carson? Yeah, I mean, if you look at last year, he he raised a little less than Andre Carson, but Andre Carson raised the whole year versus nine months for Gabe Whitley. So that initially got our attention, and then it just seemed the more and more we dug into stuff, 
uh, there were there would be little offshoots, and whenever we would offshoot to something, we would be stymied. We couldn't verify something. We couldn't find websites or records or addresses, and and so um, and then we were already working on it, and then uh, this complaint was filed, so we were able to hustle up and get it finished. So let's talk about the possible fake donors here. Um, what did you guys find out? Well, I mean, first of all, you got to know that the majority of the donors um, are not in Indiana. That alone, you know, raises a little bit of eyebrows. Um, many of them were termed unemployed, retired, like you really couldn't, you know, there wasn't enough information to search for them. So we focused on ones that had specific um, occupations included in the FEC filings, whether that be doctors, realtors, um, and that's where we got into looking into occupational licensing, public databases to try to verify people. Um, and like I said, we just kept coming up empty. So when you're going down the rabbit hole of trying to find out who these donors are, uh, normally it's a pretty easy process, but you guys were having a hard time, correct? Correct. And um, we had lo- we had learned, obviously, that there was a similar story that the Evansville Courier Press did back in 21 or 22 um, during when Mr. Whitley was running for mayor, and they had actually found some of the, the, the donors, but the donors had no idea what they were talking about, say they didn't donate, didn't know who Gabe Whitley was. So, um, you know, that was also in the back of our mind as we were trying to pin down some of the some of the donations. So, again, just to make sure our audience is up to speed here, this Gabe Whitney cat that's running against Andre Carson, a lot of these allegations that are out there now happened previously in another city down in Evansville as well. Well, definitely, they were campaign finance irregularities that the paper wrote about that down there. Slightly different, but but yes. Okay. And one of these complaints now that was filed by Gabrielle Kindle is involving that mayor's race. Um, that that's the one that was filed with the state election division versus the one filed for the current congressional race with the FEC. Now, full transparency, Gabrielle Kendall is Rob Kendall's wife, who works here at WIBC. And there's been a beef between Gabe Whitley and Abdul and Rob Kendall. And like that's another part of this whole story, isn't it, Nikki? Yeah, that's definitely a beef. Um, there are so much we didn't put in the story, to be fair. Um, but, you know, you, we had to obviously show where the complaint was coming from. And that was obviously part of Gabe's defense when we talked to him was sort of much ado about nothing. It's part of the vendetta, that kind of thing. Chatting with Nikki Kelly. Uh, she's the editor-in-chief for the Indiana Capital Chronicle. Uh, there's an article in the Capital Chronicle by Casey Smith highlighting a lot of uh, shady activity that could cost Gabe Whitley his chance to run against Andre Carson. Uh, Nikki, let's go into the political consulting firm about Mr. Whitley. Yeah, so um, one of the things we noticed is that even though he's raising a lot of money, he's not spending much money. Um, but what he is spending, you know, under 20 grand, uh, is going to this thing called Save the USA, which he says is a political consulting slash fundraising firm. He says he paid them for polling and signature gathering, that kind of stuff. 
Um, but we can't find that entity anywhere. Um, it's a, it was allegedly created here in Indiana, but now it's in Texas. We tried business listings. There's no website. There is a LinkedIn page with it that's associated with Gabe Whitley, but um, we, like I said, we can't verify that entity exists. Uh, even going through the entire FEC website, because, you know, lots of people, lots of candidates around the nation pay for political consulting. The only three payments to Save the USA are from Gabe Whitley. And he says he founded it and is now just a board member, um, and which led us to another gentleman who he says is running it. And we also could not find him. So, Nikki, I, this is such a bizarre, intricate story in, in, in Whitley was willing to talk to the Chronicle about this, like overall big picture, what questions did you ask him? Did you ask him about, you know, the consulting firm? And uh, did you ask him about these donors? Where are they? What kind of conversation did you have with Whitley and how did he respond? Yeah, Casey Smith talked to him. She had talked to him previously for different stories, um, you know, a couple of years ago when she was with Associated Press. Uh, you know, he was relatively open. Um, I believe she asked him directly if the donors were real, um, and he sort of skirted that, and that and that, that quote is definitely in our story. Um, he wanted to focus on Rob and Gabrielle Kendall and not necessarily the issues. So he's uh, deflecting, uh, I, yeah, in my opinion, and from what I read. Yeah, and some, you know, there were a lot of um, donors who gave above the $3,300 limit, though a lot of that money has since been returned. Yesterday, when we were finalizing the story, two amended returns, FEC filings came through. Um, you know, so he is making some changes, but I think the overall question of some of the donors that may or may not be real um, that is still very open. And Nikki, I know you didn't write this story, but as the editor-in-chief here, uh, when you had conversations with Casey, who did write this story, uh, what questions did you have for her? Because I'm curious, there's a lot going on in this story, and as someone who's in charge of this media outlet here, you've got to make sure all your ducks in a row. Yeah, of course. And, and we've been working side-by-side side on the story for more than a month. Um Gabe Whitley, I believe, sued the Evansville Courier Press when they ran a similar story. We obviously were in touch with our higher-ups. We were in touch with lawyers who reviewed it. Um, we wanted to make sure we were as accurate as possible. We gave everyone in the story a chance to comment, but also let you know let people know that this complaint exists and that there are some sort of questionable things going on. I want to go back one one more time here before we let you go. Again, Nikki Kelly is our guest. Yeah. I want to get into this uh, consulting firm that Gabe says he's on the board of. Your staff has said that they can't find anybody else affiliated with this company. There's really not a paper trail of the company itself. Have you guys checked into banking records or anything like that? Well, obviously, we're limited to things that are public publicly available. I can't get into personal banking records. The FEC can. Um, this group, Save the USA, did initially send Gabe Whitley money, but later the FEC said, whoa, 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 we can't figure this out. These people, this group isn't registered. Um, so Gabe had to return it, but he's still spending money with that company. Um, one of the more interesting, um, obviously, we wanted to talk to that company, and we he gave us the name of Spencer McDaniel, 
um, who, again, we could not find. But one of the things we found, he had, he does have a Facebook page, and it links to his wife. Um, photos on both those pages, we re- reverse Google image searched, and they are, you know, from beach shoots in Cosmopolitan. and Just like, like stock that. photos from Google, then, basically. Right, right. strange. So wow. is there a chance, Nikki, this is like a uh, Andy Kaufman, Tony Clifton kind of thing here? Is it out of the realm of possibility that this Spencer character is actually Gabe? Look, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we tried. We The only way we had to contact him was through the Facebook page. We, we sent messages. Um, I, I, just, I don't know. I, I can't say he's not real. I'm just saying we've tried all the ways we can do uh, you know, with publicly available information and, you know, didn't come up with anything. Indiana Election Board have anything to say about this? Have they chimed in at all? No, I mean, the complaints were just filed a couple days ago, and both the FEC and the Election Division, you know, they're limited on what they can say until they do their own investigation. And if they would file some sort of formal charge or complaint that would all be civil there could be fines things like that so um, we haven't really gotten any reaction because they're limited in what they can say and react to yeah i wouldn't hold my breath it's been my experience of dealing with the indiana election board that even if you get hassled at the polls on election day they'll kind of look at you and go oh, well tough blank sorry so i'm not crossing my fingers uh waiting for anything there uh nikki kelly man Great information. Thank you so much. Check out the Indiana Capital Chronicle, and the story is out there. Nikki is the editor-in-chief. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, guys. Boy, it's a shame, because anybody running against Andre Carson, I mean, you're a Marion County resident. Right. If a stapler was running against Andre Carson, if the water bottle I've got in the studio was running against Andre Carson, I'd take a look at it. It just sounds like the GOP might be in trouble on this one if this is who they have running against a powerhouse like Carson, uh, this guy of questionable background. Right. So check out the article for yourself. You guys make up your own minds. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hello, this is Dave Matthews. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Dave Matthews Band. To make sure that we take back all three chambers of government, the presidency, the Senate, and the House. Uh. <laughs> yes, dummy. Wow. My man Larry was caller number nine. Larry, Larry how Larry. are you? Hey, guys, the best radio show on WIBC. Yes, love to hear that. Thank you so much. So, Larry, we're going to play the game here, DMB or AOC. I'm going to give you a fact about someone. It will either be a fact about Dave Matthews' ban or a fact about AOC, Congresswoman. You get two out of three, I'm going to give you these tickets, okay? All right, let's do it. Number one, DMB or AOC was born... In South Africa. Wow, that'd be AOC. That would be incorrect. That would be <laughs> Dave Matthews. All right, Jameson. we got to run the table here, Larry. Here we go. DMB or AOC is the unofficial captain of the squad. Oh, AOC. There you go. All right, comes down uh, to this. Pressure's on. 
Game is on the line. No timeouts. Two seconds left. DMB or AOC? Once told Joy Reid on MSNBC <laughs> that a 17-year-old can walk into a shop and purchase an assault weapon, and I think this is unacceptable. I'm going to the concert. It's AOC. Yeah! yeah! Which is completely false. You cannot buy a firearm at the age of 17. <laughs> a 17-year-old can walk into a coffee shop and buy a police assault weapon. Larry, congrats. Stay on the line. Top stories next. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock So the Indiana Department of Child Services is under a, a microscope right now because they apparently investigated some parents for child abuse and then later took their son after the parents refused to refer to him as a girl and use the proper pronouns. Now, these parents were cleared of any child abuse. But according to this uh, article in Fox News, uh, the Indiana Department of Child Services still took the child because of this pronouns issue. So this took place back in 2021, and we're just now kind of hearing the story about it. Now, the parents have reportedly filed a petition to the Supreme Court asking for their case to be heard here. Um, Their child was placed in a home that would be one where they would affirm his proper gender. Because apparently, from what I understand here, this was a boy that wanted to be called a girl. His parents uh, were getting him help um, for gender dysphoria. And the state, again, according to this article, I still have lots of questions. But the state, uh, they're taking this to the Supreme Court. They want their kid back or they want some sort of uh, restitution for what the Indiana Department of Child Services allegedly did. Now, I've seen a lot of people send us messages on social media saying, why doesn't Holcomb step in? Where's the governor at? So the governor's office is referring to DCS. And in terms of DCS, if you're looking for oversight of that, it would probably have to come from Rakita's office in the attorney general. And we haven't heard anything from them yet. Now, the parents here, Mary and Jeremy Cox, they put out this video talking about their story. Now, it's like three and a half minutes long, but here's a little bit of their video. His disappearance made a a huge hole in our hearts and our family, but we will always love him and pray for him. Our child was out of our home for 17, 18 months altogether, ultimately aging out of the foster care system. We were able to visit with him at his discretion, basically for about two to three hours each week. So we pushed constantly for additional engagement, attended family therapies. We were never able to have an agreement for additional time with him. Wow. So again, this isn't a case of some family who did not love their son or daughter. This is not the case of a family that was neglecting their child or physically assaulting and beating their child. At least this is what it sounds like. They just wanted to go to more counseling, more therapy session, and they did not want to call their son a girl. 
and the state of Indiana came in and DCS got involved and ultimately the child was taken away from them. It's outrageous. I mean, unless there's something else I'm missing, unless there's something else behind the scenes that I don't know that was going on, and it's somebody, I'm I'm tired of the silence here. This just came out, so maybe we give these offices a little bit of grace to try to figure out what exactly happened, but it sounds like the child was, what, 17 at the time, 16, 17, because she, she, the mom said that this person aged out of the foster care process. So, you know, a year and a half without seeing their child because they refused to refer to him as a girl or use the proper pronouns. I mean, if that is indeed the case, and I still have lots of questions here, if that's the case, that is outrageous. We're going to get Tony Kennett on the show a little bit later on, around 530 And I want to pick his brain about this because he is also, in addition to being the nighttime host here at WIBC, an investigative reporter with The Daily Signal. Uh, Dr. Phil is talking about cases like this. Uh, Dr. Phil was doing an interview and he's kind of calling out gender affirming care and warning of the long term impacts of pushing kids that, let's be honest, don't really know what's best for them yet. These kids thinking that they know what's best for them to change their sex. Dr. Phil calling out the whole process. It's interesting they choose words like uh, gender-affirming care. That's interesting that they call it that, but really what they're talking about is hormonal therapy or sex reassignment surgery on children. And in fairness, the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Endocrine Society, or whatever the exact name of that is, all of the major medical associations have signed off on this. They've signed off on it. And I have never never seen those organizations sign off on anything with less information as to whether or not it does long-term harm of anything in my life. And when I when I ask about that, when I bring that up, then they immediately label you as transphobic. I thought that the deal was first do no harm. And all of the European countries, you know, Sweden, Norway, they, they've all stopped doing it because they say, we cannot say in good conscience that this does no harm because it does harm if 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 you look at the long-term consequences if someone changes their mind at 10 11 12 13 years old um, they can't decide which pajamas they want to wear at night and their reason for doing it is it stops this drive for suicide that there's a suicide epidemic it doesn't fix that it doesn't fix all the comorbid issues that come along with feeling like they're in the wrong body so that's Dr. Phil talking about cases like yeah. the Indiana case, not specifically that one, but cases similar. Yeah, gender dysphoria is a real thing. And like Tony Katz was talking about this earlier this morning, he said in no way, shape or form is this an easy thing to deal with for families. But leaning into it, affirming what your 13 year old, 14 year old wants to do with their body, pumping them full of hormone blockers and other drugs, deciding to have uh, some sort of surgery to remove body parts. That is definitely, that's the wrong way to go. There's no question uh, that is that is very harmful. Does it make me a horrible person that anytime I hear Dr. Phil speak, I think about 
words of wisdom that we have on this program. <laughs> and now, deep thoughts. Deep thoughts with Dr. Phil. You want a piece of me, bitch? Deep thoughts <laughs> with Dr. Phil. Deep thoughts. I I always think about those uh, whenever I hear Dr. Phil. And, you want a piece of me? <laughs> oh, incredible. Uh, we've got an update here in regards to the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade shooting. Turns out the firearm, the gun that was used by Lindell Mays, who was charged in the shooting, was stolen, according no, to court documents. Oh, no. You mean he didn't obtain it legally? So... What? The gun control community, the ball is now in your court because they went all in on gun control after the shooting. But it turns out this lunatic had a stolen weapon, did not have it legally anyway. So what law that could have been in place would have prevented this numbnuts from doing the exact same thing? None. I mean, you have Bill. I'm sorry. You have of uh, you have Joe Biden spouting off about banning assault weapons, uh, more gun control measures, uh, you know, registries and things like that. None of that would have made a difference here. As soon as this happened, you had the gun nuts, the gun grabbers come out. None of your ideas, none of your awful anti-Second Amendment ideas and strategies would have prevented this from happening. Law-abiding citizens, legal gun owners are not your problem. That is not what the issue is in this country. It's horrible bastards that, for whatever reason, maybe it's their upbringing, maybe it's their current situation in life, that feel like they have to commit crimes and they have very little, if any, regard for human life. That's the problem. The gun itself didn't magically pick itself up, float in a cloud to Kansas City, and land magically into the hand of Lindell Mays. So stop with all of your gun control. It's the guns tweets. No, it's a horrible bastard tweet. So I want to see that tweet from people like Rich Eisen and Sarah Spain of ESPN when they always put out, it's the guns, it's the guns. No, it's the rotten bastards. That's exactly who it is. Nige, tell me if this does anything for you. You're a guy that enjoys a good rock doc or a rock biopic, so to speak. Movies about your rock stars. Sure. So it turns out each member of the Beatles is going to be getting their own movie. Variety is reporting that director Sam Mendes is making four scripted movies about the Beatles, and each one will be from the point of view of different members of the Beatles. So like a standalone uh, Ringo movie, standalone McCartney movie, etc. Um, No, I don't care about the Beatles. I don't like the Beatles. I really don't know anything about the Beatles. Uh, the, uh, they did release a, a previous documentary uh, involving the Beatles that was like four hours long. Um, and I just, I, I tried watching that and it was just, it, it wasn't very interesting to me. So yeah, you're right. I like rock docs and, and things like that, but the, the, I also kind of maybe have to be interested in the band as well. I'm not interested in the Beatles. It's way before my time. So for those keeping score at home, Nigel hates the Beatles. He hates Elvis Presley, loves Nickelback. And there is a new Nickelback documentary coming out. Can't get enough of there Nickelback. Is. I will definitely watch that. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Emma and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer and we play. Is this anything? I'm going to run some stories by you. You tell us if they're anything or not. It's pretty simple. We're going to start with this. A Florida deputy saved a mother and her two children after a motorcyclist slammed into their vehicle at about 100 miles per hour. Oh, that includes a six-month-old baby who had stopped breathing and needed CPR from the deputy just to come back to life. Here is the child's mother, along with her grandmother, praising Sergeant Dave Musgrove and some of the officer's body cam recording during this incident. The first thing he said to me, you know, I said, I really hate all that recognition. I was doing my job. I said, too bad, buddy. You're getting it. Hold on, hold on. Let me get you guys out of there. Is your baby okay? I just heard him breathe. Come on. He's our hero. He is. Wow. You know, we will never repay oh. him for what he did because what he did for us was life changing. You can mention anything more terrifying. You get slammed into the side of your car by a motorcycle going 100 miles an hour and your six-month-old stops breathing and the deputy saved the life or the sergeant i'm sorry uh yeah that's something that is there's a there's a, a small tiny evil dark piece of my heart that satan occupies that is kind of glad the motorcyclist lost his life I, because you almost deserve to Hundred percent, especially uh, you know. I, I know that's uh, yeah. I hate saying that, but what do you expect? You're doing a hundred miles an hour. You put people's lives in danger. The baby almost died, and uh, look what happens. You mean it's it's a low hanging fruit type of general saying that's thrown around a lot, but you play stupid games. Win stupid prizes. um, God made a choice here, and he made the right choice. He kept the baby alive, and there's a dead dumbass. Um, And I see it all the time, especially in the summer, these motorcycles weaving in and out of traffic. You're going to kill yourself more likely than anybody else. In this case, they almost killed a baby. And on that same note, like I love our truckers in this country. The industry uh, kept this country moving along, especially during COVID. But, man, I'm driving to work today. And gigantic semis doing 75 miles an hour passing me left and right. I'm doing like, you know, on 65, it's 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 all 55 miles an hour, whether you're on 465 or certain parts of 65 headed towards downtown. These gigantic a-holes were passing me left and right. I don't know where you have to be or how soon you have to get there. I love you truckers. Trust me. I mean, I'm pro trucker, but slow the F down. Devil's advocate here. What was the flow of traffic? Were you going no, I was, b- beneath I, the, sl- the no, flow of traffic? No, I was doing sixty uh, behind a semi. I was keeping. I was. I generally stay in the right okay. lane. So you weren't the I granny was, out there. No, no, I was behind another semi that was doing the speed limit and uh, actually doing five miles over. But five miles over ain't good enough for these some of these truckers. And these were gigantic. I saw a UPS semi roll up on my on me there on the right side. Um, lots of uh, semis that had uh, no cargo 
that just was, had a trailer in tow but nothing on it and it was just kind of pissing me off really rubbed me the wrong way these guys are gonna kill somebody is this anything a united flight to boston had to be diverted when the wing started to fall apart Yes, that's right. The wing started to fall apart. Here's a passenger posting on X as the flight landed in Denver. Just about to land in Denver with the wing coming apart on the plane. Came apart, we took off in San Francisco. And we're just about on the ground. Yeah, I saw this. It's pretty chilling. Although I will say that First of all, they didn't even turn around. It took off from San Francisco and landed in Denver. Yeah. I would have immediately... I, I don't know when the the wings started to fall apart. He said the wings falling apart. It wasn't like it was disintegrating. Right. It wasn't like they were crash landing or anything. Uh, you have to see the footage. I'll see if I can retweet it. But it, what it tells me is that these planes, um, as scary as the plane... As scary as it was, the situation where the plane lost the door, or the—I the, don't know if you read about the planes that were um, had like a, a wind going behind them that made them go like 800 miles an hour, and there was footage of severe turbulence, right? Because of the the wind that was that was occurring. <laughs> like planes normally go like what four or five hundred miles an hour. These planes were going 840 miles an hour. <laughs> Arrived at the airport like an hour early. Uh, these planes are pretty strong. They can handle a lot. So let me ask you this. Yes. Are you willing to accept that level of turbulence to get to your destination no. an hour early? No, 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 no. Here it is. I'll, uh, I'll I'll retweet this right now. I just found it. You tell me if you think the wing is falling apart on this on this airplane. I mean, it just it, it looks like I don't know. Something got torn up on the flap or something like that. Well, I, the guy was pretty calm I, yeah. talking about well, it. Like it looked like a smooth landing too. You know. I'm watching the video now, yeah, and uh, at Hammer and Nigel, check it out. I'd still be a little bit more panicked. Like that dude was pretty cool, yeah. pretty chill. I would be freaking out. Oh my God, we're all gonna die! But, but, but look at the. Would you rather have that or a door fly literally off the plane? Those are my options. Neither. <laughs> Those are <your> None. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show. That's Hammer over there on Nigel. I I do hate starting off a segment like this with horrible news. But you know what? Sometimes we have to talk about things on the show that we don't like talking about. And this is definitely newsworthy. A tragedy in Florida involving someone from Indiana. A five-year-old girl from Fort Wayne died after her and her brother fell into a sand hole on a Florida beach. They got trapped. This is in Fort Lauderdale. They're on vacation. They're doing what every kid does on the beach. And they dig holes, you know? Right. I mean, my kids have done it ever since. They were, I, I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't even know there was uh, this was a, a possibility. And it's it's tragic and heartbreaking and, and thoughts and prayers to the family. But they were just, they were digging in the sand, man. They dug a hole about five or six feet deep, and then the hole collapsed on them. The, and the, the brother survived. Right. Yeah, there's two of them, his brother and his sister. Uh, rescuers used like support boards to keep more sand from collapsing in as they use shovels to try to dig the children out. But unfortunately, uh, this five-year-old young lady from Fort Wayne lost her life. I mean, this is something it, not to, not that I has anything to do with me at all. But you know, is this something that parents have to worry about? I mean, we just booked our vacation to Florida for spring break. 
And is this like, you know, is this something I'm going to have to watch out for? I've never heard of anything like this happening before. It's got to be extremely rare. Yeah, I think it's a freak kind of accident, freak accident thing. Yes. But, uh, I mean, there are sinkholes. There are places where if you dig, you never know if the bottom's going to come out or if the sides are going to collapse around you. Yeah. Um, I've just never heard of it happening on the beach before. Yeah, yeah, and this is just so heartbreaking. A family going down to Fort Lauderdale, you know, escaping the cold weather, having a great time, and just tragic, man. Hate hearing these stories of families that go on vacation and have horrible things happen. I still hate that story of the young child that went to a Disney Resort and had the alligator drag him into one of those little moats that they have around there. Just awful things, man. Hate hearing about it. Oh. Chalk this up into (laughs) beggars can be choosers. Zelensky. You know that gentleman, right? It's where all your tax money is going, Nige. Zelensky, Ukraine's president. salary. He's complaining again that the U.S. foreign aid that's supposed to be coming his way is taking too long, and he wants the United States to hurry up. Oh, okay. Sure. We'll get right on then. <laughs> he like, says it's making life very difficult for him in Ukraine. How many billions, tens of billions, have we already given them? Oh, it's over a hundred now. He's waiting on another round of sixty what billion is, dollars. What is sixty going to do if the first hundred plus billion hasn't worked? What's another sixty going to do? And where are the other countries? giving their fair share. Well, I think he's angry at the, quote, West for taking too damn long. He's angry at us. He's angry at the United States. Right. But, I mean, come on. Like, without us, your war would have ended a long time ago. And, kid, you wouldn't be in the position that you're in. So maybe, just maybe, you sit down, shut the hell up, and the money will get there when it gets there. We're dealing with some serious crap over here on our own end. But it just goes to show how brazen this dude really is. It's like, yeah, yeah, get that money here now. I'm tired of waiting. He's like a mafia hitman. Oh, if that $60 billion isn't here on Friday, I'll be back on Monday wanting $120 billion. <laughs> Like, this is how bookies used to collect their money back in the day before these sports books were all legal. I mean, we're, we're creeping up on the two-year anniversary of this invasion from Russia into Ukraine. I hate it. I don't like Putin. I don't like Russia. But I also, again, it's easy, low-hanging fruit, but this country cares more about borders for Ukraine than it does our own southern border. I mean, that's, that's the message that's being projected. Serious question here for all of the accountants that may be listening. Can I put Zelensky on my taxes as a dependent? Because <laughs> a lot of my money is going there. Can I put Zelensky down as a dependent on my taxes? At Hammer and Nigel. Uh, tweet here, Nigel, going back to the story in regards to the sand in Florida. Okay. Eric tweets at us. As a former firefighter EMT, I can tell you it's not a freak accident. There is no stable structure to sand. If the hole was a gradual decline, it probably would not have happened. Digging straight down, the walls were bound to collapse. Mm. 
So, again, that's in regards okay. to that horrible story from Fort Lauderdale. Um, border update. This will make everybody feel real good. This is such a happy segment here. 7.2 yeah. million illegals have entered the United States under the Biden administration, according to the latest report from Border Patrol. That 7.2 million is an amount greater than the population of 36 states in America. It's greater than the population of our state. I mean, we got, what, six-something million in Indiana? So mission accomplished if you're the radical left, right? The people pretending to be Joe Biden, they wanted to change America. Listen, mission accomplished. They might not see the results this election cycle, but they're going to find a way to make sure a lot of these people have ballots in their hands moving forward. And when all these folks have kids and those little rugrats are born here in the United States of America, years from now, they're probably going to vote left too. Now, wait a minute. I got an update to a story we had yesterday, Hammer. You might want to hold your tongue because we there was speculation that Joe Biden was going to sign some sort of executive order uh, tightening up the border ahead of the State of the Union address. NBC News is now reporting the Biden administration is weighing action to make it harder for migrants to get asylum and easier to deport them faster. So this might be what we were speculating on yesterday as to the executive action of one Mr. Joe Biden making it harder for migrants. I call them, you know, if you call the migrants, I call them illegal border crossers to qualify for asylum and deporting more recently arrived uh, immigrants considered um, actions that that can be taken quickly. This according to NBC News, which basically means Biden is admitting he could have done something all along and this whole BS about, ah, look, I want to take care of the border, but we can't get Congress to take to do anything about it. He's full of I almost said it, man. You caught yourself, <laughs> and I'm proud of you. Biden is full. You're really of, showing growth. Biden is full of crap on the border. His polling is awful. He knows it. He knows this is a hot button uh, kitchen table issue, especially for uh, people in in some of these Democrat cities that are that are actually. I mean, for Boston, for example, the rec center the low, for low-income families where uh, at-risk youth go to play sports has been taken over by. Uh, illegal immigrants. Now, of course, Biden could come out now and try to act like Mr. Tough Guy. One, the State of the Union's coming up, and he has to have something to say that he's accomplished. And number two, they're already here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're so right. Oh, well, I'm going to make it harder for them to just claim asylum willy-nilly. Okay, why don't you reinstate some of the actions that Donald Trump did in his administration, like the Remain in Mexico policy. That seemed to work pretty well, too. But he won't do that. No. But he can be a tough guy now because, again, 7.2 million have already made their way here. It's more than that, man. You know it's more than that, too. And think about what that's going to do to the voting dynamic of Texas and Arizona. Texas is a red state. Arizona technically swing but it's gone more blue the last couple of years that place is blue now and don't be shocked if years from now texas becomes very blue because of all this unless somebody comes into the presidency and starts deporting people left and right 
Maybe that's Donald Trump. I don't know. But we sure as hell know it's not going to be Joe Biden. Nige, if you need a reason to drink tonight, if you're looking for a reason to celebrate, yeah. happy birthday to Kelsey Grammer, 69 years old. Uh, I believe that's the guy dating Taylor Swift, right? Kelsey <laughs> Grammer. Is that, is that that's what that David is? Letterman thought? <laughs> Travis Kelsey, I believe. Uh, <laughs> Frazier on Cheers. And of course, Frazier on Frazier. 69. Never was one of my favorite Cheers characters. Like, I know he got his own spinoff, but... He did. It did very well. And apparently, I mean, he's a known conservative, outspoken conservative, outspoken, I believe, Trump supporter. And uh, if you're ranking Cheers characters, though, like, for me, I thought Woody was hilarious. I loved Woody. And then I went Sam Malone, number two, Norm, and then Cliff. That's my hierarchy. You kind of got to go down a little bit before I start getting into, you know, Frasier and Diane or Carla. Those are my rankings of Cheers characters. What about you? So Woody's number one? I loved Woody. Really? Woody was hilarious. Woody greater than Coach. Oh, That's man. my hot take. Uh, Woody oh. made the show better than Coach, and Woody was no, the best cast member I'm, on that I show. I think I'm going Norm. Norm! He's just a fat old drunk that didn't give a crap. I can see how you can relate. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yes. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Okay, the good news is Starbucks is debuting a new pork-flavored coffee. What's well, about time? Bad news is they're only offering it in its stores in China. What the hell? It's to We're mark- way fatter than China. <laughs> Bring us the pork. It's to mark their like the the lunar new year. They're releasing they're saying it's a quote, the the abundant year savory latte is what it's called over there. It's, it's basically So the Chinese the quote, get pork and we don't? Eat, that sucks. Eating the, the quote eating meat means prosperity in the coming year. So yeah, China gets the pork flavored coffee, and we get bubkis. I already, I, I, I don't like Starbucks regular coffee. I don't even like it with cream. I don't. I, I just think everything's overpriced. But I would pay pork flavored coffee translating into U.S. dollars in China would be ten bucks. Ten bucks over there in China for pork flavored coffee. Bring it on! I say add more meat to right. You know, hamburger lattes. That's what this country doesn't have enough meat beverages. Bacon, bacon. Hot tea? Yes. Are you kidding me? Bring it um, on. Jimmy Dean hot chocolate? <laughs> I'm here for it all. Let's do the thing. You Br- know the thing. Brisket espresso? Please. Sucks, man. Come on, um, Starbucks. I, I didn't know. I mean, look, Starbucks opened just under 800 stores in China last year. They're bigger in China than they are here, it seems like. Oh, um, I'm not okay with this. No, no, not I. I'm not okay with that either. Um, what about this? Yeah. Beyonce's new country song is now number one on the country chart. Oh, is that the uh, the Texas Hold'em? Yeah, this is Beyonce's new country song called Texas Hold'em. This ain't Texas. Top spot. Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart now. 
What do you think Randy Travis thinks about this? <laughs> what do you think George Strait thinks about this? Uh, I don't know. I'd pay a bunch of money like we did to see Chris Stapleton and a George Strait uh, coming to town in May. I would not pay money to see Beyonce in her country album. I, I, I don't know. Again, that just sounds like Beyonce with a banjo in the background. Right. Uh, we have another update, and this is happy news. So we had a story yesterday about this Australian equestrian guy. You know, equestrian. They do the horse jumping yeah. and things like that really, in the Olympics. Really elegant and fancy sport of equestrian jumping. And this guy has been in the Olympics multiple times. He's one of the best. Well, he's also kind of a uh, free spirit. So he showed up at the last competition wearing the Borat style <laughs> mankini, that Borat onesie. How do you ride a horse in a Borat onesie? I don't want to see a it. A mankini. Well, he was suspended for his behavior. And the dude's like, hey, I'm one of the best in the country at this. I want to go to the Olympics and represent my country. Turns out there's a happy ending here. He posted on his social media. He's been reinstated. Oh. He's no longer suspended. And the Mankini guy may be going to the Olympics in Paris. I am rooting for him, possibly even over uh, the American equestrian, <laughs> whoever that is, especially if he, he wears the Mankini again. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock uh, I don't care about the revenge thing. I know they usually, usually use the word revenge. Will there be revenge? Uh, my revenge will be success. Former President Donald Trump last night in a town hall with Laura Ingram. Yeah, revenge is, uh, you know, they say living a good life is the best kind of revenge. Now, right. uh, the deck is stacked against Donald Trump, no doubt, right now with... Oh, uh, I don't know, defamation lawsuits. There's the the civil lawsuit with the fraud costing him half a billion dollars, not to mention the indictments. Right. So things are not going too well for the president right now at this point. And he talked about a lot of those things in this town hall last night. Uh, but let's talk about vice presidential candidates. That was a big topic last night. Laura Ingram brought up some potential names of vice presidents. The audience has uh, been asked who they think would be a good choice, and various names came up. Um, uh, one of them was, of course, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. He's made a big splash. Ron DeSantis, who's made in, making an appearance today in South Carolina, we just found out. Um, obviously, Tim Scott, Byron Donalds, and a, a big uh, presence here for Tulsi Gabbard. Um, very interesting. Um, our, and Christy Nome as well, I should say. Right. Our, our, are they all on your short list, and when can you? When can we expect that you will so, announce your choice? And honestly, all of those people are good. They're all good. They're all solid. And I always say, I want people with common sense because there's so many things happening in this country that don't make sense. Now, let's get one thing clear. You can cross Byron Donalds and Ron DeSantis off the list because they're from Florida. Yeah, but the fact that Trump kind of had good things to say about DeSantis shows uh, maybe a little unity. So I like that part. But yeah, it doesn't DeSantis is, you know, he's got his job to do as governor. And then, you know, after whoever 
his leaving the White House in 2028. It could be a DeSantis ticket. And let's not get ourselves if Donald Trump is going to run saying that Florida is his home state. If your running mate is also yeah, from that state, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you would have to basically eliminate their electoral votes. And I'm pretty sure Donald Trump is not in a hurry to eliminate Florida's electoral votes. That's a big state. Look, I, I think in this town hall, Trump did single out Tim Scott. Here, I've got that audio. Oh, I'm sorry, actually. I apologize. Yeah, go ahead. Um, when Biden ran, he pledged he was going to pick a female vice president in 2020. What qualities are you looking for in your vice presidential pick? Well, always the first quality has to be somebody that you think will be a good president, because if something should happen, you have to have somebody that's going to be a great president. A lot of people are talking about that gentleman right over there. Talking about Tim Scott. And he's been, he's been so great. He's been such a great advocate. I, I have to say, I don't. This is in a very positive way. Tim Scott, he has been much better for me than he was for himself. I watched his campaign, and he doesn't like talking about himself. But boy, does he talk about Trump! And I said, you know, I called him. I said, Tim, you're better for me than you were for yourself. But he's fantastic, and he's a fantastic person. Uh, so no, someone I who want can somebody step in. Can someone be. who can step into the role. Most importantly, you have to view that. The- yeah, uh, that was, I guess, the same way for Vivek. Vivek talked more about Trump than he did himself <laughs> on right. the campaign trail. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think about Tim Scott? I think Tim hit. Scott works. I would love to see Tim Scott actually debate Kamala Harris oh, because Tim Scott would me? wipe the floor with her. Now, listen, we are sometimes hard on Mike Pence. But don't forget, before the fly landed on his head in the vice presidential debate, (laughs) in terms of topics and policy, Mike Pence was mopping the floor with Kamala Harris. But all anybody wanted to talk about was the stupid fly that landed on his head. at the town hall last night, which was in South Carolina. So you hear a lot of applause in the background. It was in South Carolina. Donald Trump was asked about the mental state of Joe Biden. Well, he's, uh, he's declined, and there's no question about it, but he was always sort of semi-declined. If you go back 25 years, <laughs> no, but he was not one of the smarter people. He's tried to be president many times, four times at least that they know of, and all of a sudden when he's most diminished, this is when he hit, and he, he did it. But... If he runs, he runs. I I think that most people that run would be stubborn or persistent and, you know, just not want to give up the ghost. But, uh, you know, we have a nation to run. We have a nation that has to survive. We have nuclear weapons and the likes of which, and you don't even want to know about it, the most powerful weapons in the history of the world, so powerful that you don't even want to talk about them. And we have him negotiating for us. And in his best years, he couldn't have negotiated. Well, now he has no clue what's happening. So true. So will Donald Trump debate Joe Biden? Because if you remember, he didn't take part in any of the debates in the primary. Didn't need to. He thought it was beneath him. He's up at the polls. Didn't need to do it. Laura Ingram asked him if he'd be willing to debate Joe Biden. Will you challenge him to regular debates? I'll do it right now on your show. I'll challenge him right now. And we can do you. You can do anybody you want. I'll take anybody from uh, CNN, which is doing very poorly in the ratings, by the way, as you probably know. I'll take any 
body because I think you have an obligation in this case. You really have an obligation to debate. When it came to the Republicans, you know, I was up by 40, 50, 60 points, like being up on her. Uh, I think a poll just came out. I'm at 91 and she's at 7. And would you debate? You want to be smart. You don't have to waste your time doing so. But that would be instructive to see you versus Biden on any given topic. Regardless of poll numbers, I'm way up on him now in the polls. He's talking about Nikki Haley. Right. The 91 to 7. But his angle is, yes, you know, I'll debate Joe Biden because I'm not up 91 to 7 on Joe Biden. But nobody believes Joe Biden would debate Trump. They would not allow that to happen. Uh, The topic of the border crisis was brought up. I had the safest border in the history of our country, recorded history, because I can't tell you about a thousand years ago, but recorded history of the border by far. We had it down pat between guys like Tom Holman and Brandon Judd and unbelievable people that you have on your show. We had a great... All Biden had to do is stay at the beach. You know, he goes to the beach. Somebody said he looks great in a bathing suit. So he goes to the beach. If he went to the beach and didn't do it, but he canceled everything. Remain in Mexico. Catch and release. We have catch and release, but we had release. Mexico. First of all, if you want to close the border, you're president. I didn't have any legislation. I had people opposed to me very strongly, including Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and Nancy Pelosi. That was a little uh, triumvirate. And what I did after a year, I said, you know what? These people, I took the money out. We built 571 miles of border wall, and that's what made our border so good. We did another thing. I got 28,000 soldiers from Mexico. I said to the president of Mexico, we need 28,000 soldiers to guard our border. He said, you got to be kidding. Well, Biden I ended up getting free of charge, 28,000. We had the safest border we've ever had. So this was an hour-long conversation that took place on Laura Ingram's program last night. It was on the road in South Carolina. But to me, the most compelling part of the whole thing was how was Donald Trump going to talk about having to pay half a billion dollars? And Laura Ingram asked Donald Trump his thoughts on the New York judge and justice system. It is a form of... Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, the guy's a nut job. I've known this for a long time, and I've said it openly. Uh, no jury, no anything. Uh, Letitia James is horrible attorney general in New York. Campaigned on, I will get Trump, I will get Trump. We went through a trial. It turned out we're totally innocent on everything. And he fined me $355 million plus interest and other things. 355 and what we did, in fact, my, my financial statements were conservative. Everybody made money. There was no victim. The bank gets up and says, we love this guy. I mean, they, they love Trump. You paid back the loans. 100%. No defaults, no anything. This guy ruled that I was guilty before the trial started. He didn't even know anything about it. So this goes on for a couple of minutes here. But the million-dollar question, and kudos to Laura Ingram for asking it, how in the world are you going to pay off this money? Because yeah. even to appeal, you've got to pay the money. You have to decide whether you're going to put up that bond and escrow to, to appeal. Are I you do. going to do that? I'll, and where are you I'll tell get you what money? we're going to do. Number one, well, I have a lot of cash, but that doesn't mean he can take it. I mean, you know what he did? I think he looked at my cash and he said, 
Well, we'll take all of his cash. This is all coming out of the White House. This is all, everything that you see, whether it's that one or the DA. And you Biden know, in the DA's office, this? in Bragg's office, he has his top people from the DOJ working in the district attorney's office in New York. Nobody knows that. Everything is coming out. This is all election interference. They're trying to damage me so they can win another election. They want to do, do you ever just a say, different form. You ever just say to yourself, you know, I'm done. This, this is what they, why? Can't. A lot of people would have said, I'm going to come out. Why are you staying in this? I can't because I want to make America great again. It's not great right now. And we can do that. We can do that. So that was last night's town hall with Donald Trump. If you missed it, now you're caught up. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Are you really okay with you? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! Oh, boy, this is juicy. Hammer Stephen A. Smith from ESPN said on a podcast that fellow ESPN co-worker Pat McAfee is allowed to get away with more because he's white. Are you... Uh, oh, here, we have uh, audio here. I love Pat McAfee. Love to death. I love his swag. I love the fact that he's an honest brother. He don't give a shit. Let me let you know exactly where he stands. That's my kind of dude. That works for me. Now, is he as polished politically as me? Nope. Because he has no desire to be, number one. And number two, if we're being honest, he's white and I'm black. He didn't have to be. What do you think? I don't think this is anything. I think Stephen A. Smith is almost saying game respects game. He's not as polished as I am. He doesn't have to be. That's Pat McAfee's brand. He's the sleeveless guy that does the crazy stuff. That's who Pat is. But the race card was a little ridiculous. I don't think he needed to add that. Like, I don't think ESPN thinks, okay, we're going to let McAfee get away with it a little bit more because he's white. So make sure you tell Stephen A. Smith that he's on a short leash. Like, have you seen some of the antics Stephen A. Smith has done on ESPN? Oh, please. And especially political stuff as well. Yeah. He has melted down before. So pump the brakes on the race card a little bit. But if anybody thinks there's bad blood between these two, I don't think that's the case. I do think that Stephen A. Smith might be a little jealous of all the attention and the new contract Pat McAfee got to come over to ESPN because Stephen A. thinks he's the number one guy at the top of the totem pole there. I think it's odd that McAfee's taking a few weeks off all of a sudden out of nowhere, or is that... Kind I mean, the dude works a lot. He's like nonstop, like since a big college. burly version of Ryan Seacrest. He has yeah. a million different jobs. Yeah. Uh, but it is odd that his show is on a two-week hiatus, but he's still doing WWE. Like if he wasn't doing anything, I thought, all okay. right, recharge. You know, be with the family. You got a new baby. That's all fine. But he's still out on the road with WWE, so it's a little confusing. But hell, man, whatever he wants to do, it's his yeah, life. If Cheers. It, if you can got it, do it. Uh, the University of Iowa is offering a <clears throat> pokey math course. 
that combines video game with math. Here is the course instructor talking about why they chose Pokemon Go to teach math. <laughs> Students seem to really enjoy using Pokemon to motivate mathematics, and it drew them into the the math of Pokemon Go, but then also sent them out and they started to see the math in other areas of their life. It includes some walking around. It's not super intensive with like video gamey stuff and, and sort of technical ability and it's free. Pokemath at the University of Iowa. Are you okay with this? Yes, oh. I'm 100% okay with this because they're still incorporating math. Because at some colleges, they would just have a class about Pokemon. <laughs> they're actually using it to apply mathematics here. So, yes, I'm fine. Like We had a story not too long ago where somebody is offering a Taylor Swift I course. I was just thinking about that, yeah. You know, so at yeah. least here, they're trying to find a fun way to make the mathematics resonate with people. I'm fine with that, but we all know that some of these campuses around the country, it's kind of like the old movie PCU. If you know how to BS, you can get a degree. Pig Man is trying to prove the Kane Hackman theory. No matter what time it is, 24 hours a day, you can find a Michael Kane or a Gene Hackman movie playing on TV. That's his thesis? Yes. That's the beauty of college these days, Tommy. You can major in Game Boy if you know how to bullshit. <laughs> I miss I miss the Game Boy. I miss PCU. I feel like you can't find it anywhere. It's hard to find, man. Oh, we had God. to go on a scavenger hunt online to find a DVD copy. And uh, for whatever reason, the networks, the streaming outlets, they don't have it available. They don't want to show it. Maybe because it's too true. <laughs> yeah. It's too PC. Or un-PC, shall they, as they say. Jelly Roll. We all don't know who Jelly Roll is. He's like weighs like 490 pounds, huge, month, like physically huge country music singer, pretty hot right now. Country yeah. and rap mix there. He's, he's apologized for missing the People's Choice Awards, where he won Male Country Artist of the Year. He was actually at a juvenile detention center working with troubled kids. Here he is uh, leaving a message on social media about it. We won a People's Choice Award for the Male Country artist of the year voted by the fans baby y'all have never let me down thank you i'm sorry i wasn't there here's the truth i'm actually standing in the juvenile courthouse right now i just walked out of the juvenile facility we partnered with the beat of life to bring a music program to the kids this has been on my calendar for a long time i promised these kids i was coming i had to honor my word i hate i wasn't there but don't take me not being there as a sign of anything other than love and respect and me trying to do better for my community baby I know this is your segment, but I think that's pretty incredible. Are you okay with this? Yes, because I believe that was in Indiana when he was here for All-Star Weekend. I think he went to Pendleton. He may have went to Pendleton. I think this was in his hometown, which okay. I believe is somewhere in Tennessee or something Which like is that. even think, better, yeah, because it means he yeah, does yeah, this yeah. in multiple places. Yes. Like, if yes. you can get some of these kids at an early age, like the juvenile detention center, yep. and let them know, hey, there are better ways to make a living than selling drugs or breaking into stores or whatever you're here for, uh, look at him. You know, Jelly Roll, he's had a rough upbringing, but he turned himself around. I think that's awesome. Good for him. Are you okay with this? Little Caesars might start cutting their pizza by the yard. A yard of pizza will cost you $20. Are you okay with this? Hell yes, I am. <laughs> Not only am I okay with this, I want them to go next level. I want them to cut the pizza by the yard and then deliver it to me 
in my yard. <laughs> I want to be sitting there in like a lazy boy or like a recliner or something. I'm going to take it outside, put it in my yard like a hillbilly, and I want Little Caesars. You know, get back in the delivery game and deliver it to me at my yard with my yard of pizza. You know, a, a hot take here. I have not had Little Caesars pizza for probably three or four years. What happened to you? You I, are I, I so know. Zionsville now, it makes me no, throw no. up. No, no, no. I just, there's not anywhere. I don't think there's a little Caesars pizza near where I live. Uh, That's we my were in, point. We were in Florida. We were in Florida, and I ordered it for a bunch of people late one night, and it was delicious. And the the, the crazy bread, are you kidding me? I forgot how good it was. It's just been years since I've had it since Florida. Deep inside that hoodie that you're wearing right now, yes. there's a hillbilly from Liston, Indiana. <laughs> and I know that hillbilly Not... would enjoy <laughs> oh, some please. pizza pizza, some oh, yeah. breadsticks, Hot maybe ready? the cheese sauce right there next to it. But now you live up in Zionsville. Oh. They don't lock up the deodorant where you live. There's no Little Caesars where you live. I don't know what the hell happened to you. I've I feel changed. like I'm, I've really changed. I feel like I'm Jake Taylor giving that speech to Roger Dorn in Major League right now. But if you ever take another play like you did today, I'm going to, well, you know the rest. I know the rest. All right, we got time for one more? Let's do one more. Okay, Vice.com did a story about how a beer can love toy for men. There is a, a a sex toy that's shaped like a beer can for dudes. You could literally be intimate with beer now. This is a real story. Are you okay with this? No, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would I want to have actual relations with the beer can? The beer can itself is supposed to have sweet, delicious alcohol in it, which then goes into my body, which then helps enhance my sex drive. At is no that point, right? is there? Right? That's at science. At no point. Does the process ever include making love to the can? Okay. No, no, I am uh, not okay with that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, it's the Hammer Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the hotline. Tony Kennett is the host of the Tony Kennett cast, Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock, right after our program here at 93 WIBC. He's also an investigative reporter for The Daily Signal. Tony, let's start here in Indiana. There's a story that's kind of going viral. Fox News has picked up on it about this Indiana family whose kid was taken away from them because... They were trans. Now, that's the paraphrased summary that I'm coming up with. They wouldn't use the pronouns. Right. Right. Take me through uh, this on your end. So I've actually heard about this for a little bit. And and while I was investigating it, I kind of wasn't expecting it to go national so quick. But I, I don't disparage that it's broken, I would say, a little early at all. It's great for this information to get out. A family was investigated for child abuse. And uh, the Department of Child Services found there was no child abuse at all. There was no abuse at all that took place. The only thing that the Cox family dared to do, oh, dear Lord, is they didn't play into, they didn't affirm their child's mental disability and call them uh, by the wrong pronouns. The parents actually wanted the child to get help and actually possibly cure the gender dysphoria instead of playing into something that has a 40% suicide rate. And what did this get them? 
their child taken from their home. Now they're appealing the Supreme Court, which they should. Right. Now, let's back up just a little bit here. How does the child abuse claim come in? Did the child claim that it was abuse because they weren't being referred to by the proper pronouns? Did somebody else step in here? Was it a loved one, a teacher? How did this play out? So this is actually the part, because I've been asked, you know, why I wasn't the one breaking this story when I, you know, woke up and saw this on libs of TikTok and Fox News. I had reached out to the Indiana Department of Child Services and had been given what some call the runaround. So there is still a few things about this story that we don't quite know all of the details as to how first instances of rumors of child abuse got this out, whether it involved the school, whether, you know, there was a teacher or a counselor or someone in the community that called or the child themselves. There's a lot of stuff that is left unknown, and I, I'm careful to speculate because you guys know me. I like to be thorough. Sure. Right. But I don't even – I haven't been able to find – and maybe this is just a function of because, you know, the, it's a juvenile. I haven't been able to find how old this child is. Have you? Uh, I – again, I have been asking questions. Yes. But I understand. I, I, I understand. Again, I don't want to speculate. That's why I was surprised to see this go live and go national and – There are other stories like this around the country. Um, I'm not one of those journalists that despises getting scooped, but to be very clear, I had some kind of questions that were pending that have yet to be answered, so obviously I couldn't run with the story earlier. So have we heard from the governor or any elected official in Indiana about this? Nope. Nope. Not a word. And I'm going to say that's for two reasons. Number one, because, first of all, you got to give the offices a chance to be on fire for something they likely didn't know it happened. Um, number two, you have to give a lot of offices. For example, I've reached out to the attorney general's office. Um, I will be reaching out to the governor's office, although I have reason to believe they've already been notified. Um, they'll have to do their own investigation as to what Department of Child Services ruled on. Again, what we do know is that DCS ruled there was no actual abuse going on. So the family was investigated. And they weren't abusing the kid, but the kid is still being removed because of pronouns. This is why I said, and I've said this on the show repeatedly, the Indiana legislature needs to reel in these bureaucratic agencies who have free reign in the state and are staffed by these absolute morons who want control over your family and your children. Yeah, well, I know for a fact. I mean, I know I have friends that have personally dealt with DCS, and uh, the foster system in this state is certainly uh, a wreck as well. Do we know where this kid went? Like, what happened to him? Where Did, did he go into some sort of gender-affirming family? I am currently following up on several leads regarding the situation. That's what I read on um, Fox News. Right. I'm I'm currently following up on some leads on this again, whether like they went to a family for a short amount of time and then another family or or whether there was like some state kind of foster custody for a little bit. There's a lot of stuff that's up in the air. And I I hate you guys know I hate to tell you that I just don't have all the answers, but it's so much better than speculating and then having to issue a correction. Well, it's just shocking because you hear drips and drabs of this kind of thing happening in other states, other more progressive leftist areas of the country, but uh, not in Indiana. So that's why I feel like even with this story on Fox News, I'm not getting the whole picture here. Uh, I'm going to push back on that. So this whole red states are safe thing, as I remember telling you, I started work at the Daily Signal to bring this entire myth that these red states are safe nonsense to rest. Okay. I just released an article in Texas about a principal who would assign students to review adult books. And I mean, like, we're talking like class A level cat lady reading smut. 
gross, gross stuff the kids were reading. The red states have these unchecked bureaucracies that legislatures, they don't want to touch because, oh, no, then the people will say that the Republican legislators are being mean to this Department of Education or Child Services, and they refuse to trim the hedges. And so now... Years later, you have this big, massive weeds and everything's completely a big mess. And everyone's like, how did this happen? Well, your legislators didn't do their job mm-hmm. of holding people accountable. That's what you get. And, Tony, first of all, thank you for the great show idea. We're going to have a segment next week called Nigel Reed's Smut. Uh, that's going to be appearing in the 4 o'clock hour of this program. Okay. Um, well, we can air that in local elementary school. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, but this is happening in an election year here in Indiana. I'm waiting for the gubernatorial candidates to share their opinions on this story. Haven't heard anything yet. We focused a lot on the Republican candidates, right? A lot of people are doing interviews with the Republican candidates. But don't forget, Jennifer McCormick, she's in the mix here as the Democrats uh, are getting ready to make their run for the governor's office here. Give us an update on Jennifer McCormick. Well, Jennifer McCormick is focusing on really serious things like uh, making sure that state taxpayer-funded institutions like Indiana University are less accountable to the taxpayer. So like many grown adult women like to do, she's throwing a fit on Twitter because, uh, see, the legislature is trying to ensure that the Indiana legislature is able to appoint board of trustee members at Indiana University and other public university because, you know, accountability. You, Jason and Nigel, are paying for IU. So am I. So therefore, we should have a say in what goes on at the university. Well, she's flipping out about it because, oh, you can't have you can't have legislators that didn't go to IU having a say at IU. That's just wrong. So, you know, fourth grade civics is lost on the leading Democrat candidate for governor. So of all the things happening in the state of Indiana, all the important issues here, and even the things that are important but not like life changing, like infrastructure and things like that, she's focusing on how IU should get to pick the people they want to protect the bull crap they're trying to pull. So remember how just a few minutes ago I was talking about the bureaucracy in all of these state departments that was left unchecked for years? I will remind you that Jennifer McCormick was the state superintendent of this massive, filthy Department of Education. So if you're expecting expertise, uh, perhaps an understanding of policy, um, the garbage bureaucrat is probably (laughs) not your best bet. Tony Kennett, part of the Tony Kennett cast, weeknights here at 7 o'clock on 93 WIBC, also investigative uh, reporter for Daily Signal. One other thing here before we let you go, Tony, I, I got to tell you, it, it, your your parody account that you have on Twitter, the Ministry of Truth, <laughs> you, <laughs> it's it's a great follow, first of all. It's hilarious. It's right up there with you know Babylon B and The Onion. Um, you got fact-checked. <laughs> by by Newsweek. I, I, I mean, it's embar- embarrassing for Newsweek. It's embarrassing for the guy that had to, quote, fact check a parody account. Can you maybe take us through what happened? Yeah. So I released a tweet from the satire account that said Biden has announced a housing for labor initiative in which if you take in migrant families and they do basically slave labor for you, then you'll get tax credits. And it blew up. And everyone from, like, Kevin Sorbo to, like, all of these other big accounts started talking about this. 
And Newsweek and PolitiFact and Reuters and Verify, which WTHR uses, they freaked out about it. And oh, you got to verify. You got to yeah. verify. Oh. Welcome to the club, my friend. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, uh, yeah, it was like on TV. I couldn't believe it. Uh, and the reason they tested the White House and the IRS until they got a statement from them about it. But I found out why. Like, why freak out about this? It's because I hit too close to home. Because in a PolitiFact article, it was revealed that there are actually State Department programs that help Americans house immigrants. And there may be perks that are housing immigrants when they provide, again, slave labor so that oh, they can live in your house. And I, I do mean slave labor. I, I saw, I think it was out of Boston, this woman had a Haitian family or at least a husband and wife living with her. And she's like, oh, it's great. They do all the cleaning and cooking. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Did they make Long Duck Dong do that in 16 Candles? He was out there it working is, in the lawn so Grandpa didn't hurt his hyena. It is beyond bonkers. And it's it, it is. for all of the Democrat legislators and politicians who whenever they say immigrants, they're like, well, who's going to mow your lawns, Republicans? And it's like, oh, my God, you just said that out loud. All right, Tonus, uh, are you working tonight or are you off tonight? Oh, well, I'm down in Nashville at the Religious Broadcasters Conference, and I have so many articles to write, it's insane. Okay, stop by Rippy's on Broadway. It's right there at the end of the Strip, across from the uh, Bridgestone Arena. Best ribs on the Strip. You want me to get you guys pictures or... or no, bring some that. back. That's yeah, what we're please. asking. Yeah, pictures my ass. Bring some ribs back, Tony. I'll try my best. You're the best. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Listen to this, Hammer. I have a feeling we're going to do an extended version of Are You Okay With This, okay? KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, right? They are adding chicken fried pizza. I'm okay with this. <laughs> What's it done? It's called Cheesa. 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 Like Cheesa, but with like a C-H at the beginning. Chicken fried pizza to the menu. Uh, you're okay with this? Because you generally don't like when restaurants mess around and try to do something quirky. Right. I like them to stay in their lane, but I think this is their lane. It's chicken fried pizza. They're not coming out with their own line of pizza or a line of hot dogs or something. It's a chicken <laughs> product here, okay. right? Like the same way I would allow Taco Bell to have the Mexican pizza. They're making this with uh. their beans and their stuff and so it's a Mexican treat you can get at Taco Bell. This is a chicken treat you can get at KFC. And I'm reading how it's made here. Okay. Two white meat fried chicken fillets topped with marinara sauce, mm. melted mozzarella cheese, mm. and crispy pepperoni. Mm. I'm here for it, man. <laughs> I am here for it. And great moments in KFC. Anytime I go to Rocky Top, down in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge area, there and coming back. I always stop in Corbin, Kentucky. That is where the first ever KFC is, the Harlan Sanders Cafe. That's right. Wow. I've taken the whole family there. I felt like <laughs> Clark Griswold. We've all got our pictures at the first ever KFC. Was so, it open? Oh, yeah. Or was it, uh, you know, Moose Out Front should have told you the world's first KFC is closed for uh, renovation. You know what? He was closed one time, like during COVID. Oh, yeah. Because, man, we traveled a lot during COVID. Yeah. Everything was cheap, yeah, so we yeah, traveled yeah. a lot. It was closed then, but every other time we've been there, and I just feel special eating at the birthplace of KFC. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show.